those of you that are home that are connected, thank you for being here. You can turn and wave to somebody and be seated. I can see all the people at home turning and waving to the people around them. <clears throat> Unstoppable God. You just sang it. True? Absolutely, Absolutely true. And, and he does the impossible. But you know what? He'll also use you to do things nobody ever dreamed would be possible for you. Because with God, all things are possible. He's victorious. But it's not just about him. He wants your life to show his victory every day, everywhere, in everything. God has for you. Not, not just the person next to you. Sometimes we think, well, you know, this is good for, for Tim and Tennille and their family. You know, they're, they're more than conquerors, but, you know, we're struggling. No, they have their struggles. Is that true? They're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all have our struggles. But it's not the fact that we do or we don't have struggles. It's the fact of whether we're going to depend on and trust in God or not. That's the only way we're going to get through them. God's going to bring you through. God has breakthroughs for you. If you'll just look to him, trust in him, listen for him, rely on him, and follow him. Once we do that, man, he's going to lead you into the fullness of life that God intended for you to have because he gave his son for that. And Jesus gave his life for you to have abundant life. And the only thing holding us back is not the devil. You know why that is? Because he's defeated. But he is deceptive. And so he tries to entice us into uh, looking somewhere else to something else or someone else to give us that abundant life. And that's deception because there's no other place you can get it or I can get it or anybody else can get it except in God. And so he pulls us away from the life of God. And then we blame God because we don't have the life he has for us, but it wasn't God doing it. It was our choice, and we were following something that we thought was true but was not, so we were deceived. And so we've been talking about that. We've been talking about deception. But before we get there, um, I, this morning I was, I was really um, sitting in the office just going over my notes, and, and I felt like the Lord gave me two scriptures out of the prophetic book in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. And if you know about uh, the book of Isaiah, there, there are a lot of things that that were foretellings, they were prophecies and, and things about the days we live in, what's going on right now. And uh, in the book of Isaiah chapter 28, um, God is speaking, give ear and hear my voice, listen and hear my speech. The Lord of hosts says, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Now, the days we live in, there are all sorts of people wanting to give us counsel and guide us. Is that not true? It's like everywhere you look, somebody's got an idea of what you and I should be doing or should have or how we ought to perceive things. And uh, I, I, I want you to know there are people that, that are experts, right? Authorities in areas. But it would indicate if somebody's an expert in an authority, they know everything or almost everything about whatever it is they're an authority or expert about. But I have to tell you, when we, when we look at that in, in speaking in human terms and about human people, uh, there's no expert, there's no authority. Nobody knows everything about anything. No human being. But there is one who knows everything about everything. And that's God. And that's where as much as we depend, 
because there are a lot of people a lot smarter than me that know a whole lot more than I do, so I depend on information from them, but I'm always checking back with what the Word of God says. Because if it violates the Word of God, I don't care how many degrees they have, I don't care how many uh, life experiences they have, they're wrong. Because the only place we can find truth is in the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. And the Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free and keep you free. Also in Isaiah 46, it says this. God declares the end from the beginning. Now how can he declare the end from the beginning? We start somewhere. All of us are expecting something, but he declares what's going to happen in the end before it ever starts. How can God do that? It's because he's the all-knowing God. There's nothing hidden from him. He doesn't guess. It's not like he's halfway down his plan and he says, oh, we gotta, we got to adjust. God never has to adjust. We, on the other hand, have to adjust all the time because we need to keep tracking with God and we can't see so far ahead. How many of you know exactly what's going to happen when you leave here? No, you and I have plans, but our plans don't always come to pass. There are things that come up that we're just like, whoa, didn't see that coming. God's never said that. God's never thought that. God's never had that experience. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Because he sees everything. And, and with that, he wants to partner with you and me, with anybody who's willing to trust him and guide us through this minefield we call life. Man, I see people exploding their lives all over the place, stepping in things that the enemy has laid traps for them in and, and just decimating them. But that's where, just as we sang, all things are possible with God. You know, God's the only one that can redeem from, rescue from loss, redeem situations. And that's where it's so important in these days when we have so many people speaking so authoritatively, uh, so uh, confidently that we always check back with what's truth because, you know, there are some very persuasive people. But in these days, the days we're living in, we see the Bible speaking about one of the main indicators of the days we live in, which are the last days, is deception. There are other characteristics. And in Matthew chapter 24, and this isn't going to be up on your screens, uh, he, he speaks about famines. Jesus tells the disciples when he's telling them about his return in the end of the age, which is where we are. He's coming back, and it's sooner than it's ever been. Uh, that there are going to be wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes. But the number one characteristic, the thing he speaks out first, and he speaks beginning this and ending this portion of, of information that he's disseminating to the disciples, he talks about deception. Many will be deceived. There'll be false prophets that will deceive many. But that's something that we've got to be aware of because if we're not aware of, we're going to be taken in just like everybody else. I'm not wise enough to recognize deception on my own. I need something to hold up and say, is that true or is that not true? Because I can look at things and think, wow, you know, that's, I, I think that's great. But if it's not great in relationship to what God said is great or good in relationship to what God said is good, I'm deceived. Because deception is believing something to be true that's not true. And it's happening all over. 
and only God can really help us with his word and, and his spirit, help us to determine uh, where the deception is. And so um, sin has deception. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that sin is deceptive. And, and the word deception means to ruin or to destroy or seduce to evil. If you're seduced, you're kind of pulled. You're drawn towards something. And this says you're drawn towards evil. And, and we see that happening in our society all the time. People are, are being drawn towards things that are not godly, not good. And so we've been studying this out. And we look first in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 in the New Living Translation. It says this. This was kind of our foundation scripture. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says, I fear that somehow your pure undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Will be corrupted. Okay. Um, and, and so uh, the de word devotion means to have a strong love, loyalty, and passion for. And this is speaking about Christ. That they were strongly loving God. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. They were loyal to God. They weren't being pulled away towards other things. And they were passionate about God. Now, how many of you know that when somebody's passionate about something, you don't have to be around them very long to know what they're passionate about? Right? Because if, if it takes you pulling that out of them, they can't be too passionate about it. What you're passionate about, what I'm passionate about, what anybody's passionate about, just kind of bubbles up and, and just overflows us because it's what we are into. Right? <laughs> and and even, even without words, people will recognize this. And this morning, I was, uh, I was picking on a young man in the front row, Jackson Brody. Uh, Jackson's a great guy. And I asked Jackson, I said, uh, Jackson, are you passionate about baseball? Now, all the Brodies are passionate about baseball, okay? You just have to be around them a little while, and you realize that because that's what they talk about. That's what they do. It, it's, it's, it's just part of their lives. And there's nothing wrong with being passionate about things. And I said, so, uh, Jackson, you're passionate about baseball. So that means yeah, you like to watch it and you like to talk about it. Is that all you want to do about it? He said, no. I said, well, what else do you want to do because you're passionate about this? Oh, I like to play baseball. You know, what you and I are passionate about, what we love, what we're passionate about, what we're loyal to, we put action into it. There's something that drives us into some sort of activity associated with it. Now, I didn't even have to know that before because I look at, at Jackson and he's sitting here. He's sitting right in the front row and he's got a face mask. And I said, now, what, what's on your face mask? There are all these logos for the Yankees. Now, right now, I've lost half of you. The other half is like, Woo! doesn't matter. You may be passionate about a different team, but there's something that, that outwardly you're going to show to other people. You're not going to hide it. You're not going to be covert about this. It's going to be out there, able for everyone to see because you're proud of it. Now, I have to tell you that today there are a lot of Christians that are passionate about a lot of things, and they would say they're passionate, they're devoted to Christ, but it's almost like you can't tell. They're, they're, they're 
devotion is to Christ, but it's to sports or it's to politics or, you know, I'm watching today, I'm watching Christians, please, please understand, I'm not being critical, I'm just being aware, I'm just citing something I see. I see Christians that would be so afraid, so reluctant to stand up and say much about Christ in front of people, being so devoted and passionate and loyal to politics. And I'm just going to let that sink in. Because we need to recognize. Because if we say we're devoted... To Christ. But all anybody hears us do is talk about politics or talk about sports or, or, you know, hunting season is right around the corner. All they talk about is hunting. Or cars. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. It could be food. But I have to tell you, as a Christian, there should be nothing that comes close to our devotion and our passion and our loyalty and our love for Christ. And yet there are things that seem to be before our devotion to Christ. And that's what he was saying. I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion would be corrupted. That you'd be seduced, pulled away towards evil. By, just as Eve was deceived, this deception, believing something to be true that's not true. You know, I, I, am, I am willing to take heat. I do it all the time. People let me know where, what they think, and that's, that's fine. You're all welcome to do that. But I will say this. Those of us that are putting our faith and trust in government or a political party or a political figure to save us, you are deceived. God will not... Be shown to be dependent on any human being. God will use human beings. But don't be deceived into thinking that human being is the saving of a people, of a country, of a world. And if you get upset with that, you need to check out what's in your heart. Because I've just told you something true. And if you don't want to accept that, you want to believe something else... You're believing something that's not true as though it were, and that in itself is deception. God will use people, individuals, groups, governments, but God alone, God alone is the one who saves. And we're, we're, we're living in a time that it's so easy to get caught up in a lot of different things that seem to be the answer. Jesus said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Revival is coming, part of the end times. One of the indicators says, it, it says that it's, it's the harvest time. There's going to be a great harvest of souls. It's not coming to anything but to Christ. That's where those souls are coming if they're going to be saved. And, and they e eventually should be funneling into a church body because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, I am a part of the church. You're part of the church. We're all part of the church. But 
it's not isolated, it's interconnected, okay? And that's where it's, it's so important that we recognize what the truth is. So anyways, he said, I fear that your pure and undivided devotion would be corrupted even as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. So we've been looking at the deception that, that has been operating in the world, but the worst type of deception is self-deception. And we began looking at James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this by the inspiration of Holy Spirit. James chapter 1, um, it says this in verse 22, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So this series has been about devotion or deception. And I've shared with you where there's devotion, where there is a, a strong love, loyalty, and passion, where there's devotion for Christ, there's gain. Where there's deception, where we believe something to be true that's not true, there's loss. And this indicates to us, but being doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. If we're hearers of the word and not actively participating, the word participating, we're living out the word. You know, Jesus was the word made flesh. You and I are supposed to be living out the word. We're supposed to be demonstrating Christ in us, living in the, the uh, principles and the truths of God's word. Because if we don't, we're deceived. But if we do, then we're devoted. So doers are, are those that are devoted to God and there's gain. Hearers and not doing the word are deceived and there's loss. And so we, we looked at this and we realized that we have to go back to uh, further uh, into the scripture, back at the beginning of the scripture in this chapter, to see where deception begins to be spoken about. And it's in verse 16. And this is what we found. It says in verse 16, Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, so what this is helping us understand, don't believe something not true. And he states the truth. The truth is everything good comes from God. All right? If it's not good, who does it come from? The enemy. He's there, and John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. The good things that come into your life are from God. The, the death, the destruction, things that steal and take from your life, that's not from God. All right, but God will use people to bring good, and God and the enemy will use people to bring bad. And so we have to recognize who's behind it. And it goes on to say, of his own will, he brought us forth by, help me, the word of truth. His, his word brought us forth. Now, how did that happen? Jesus is the word. I want you to know there's power in the word of God. There is power in the word of God, but there's power in words. And so we need to be aware of this. How life came to us was through the word. God, when he created everything, how did he create everything? Right. In Genesis chapter 1, ten times in that one chapter, you find, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And, and everything seen and unseen that was created was created because God spoke it into existence. There's power in God's word. There's still power in God's word. You can't exhaust the power of God's word. 
And there's life in God's word. But I want you to understand also, if we're speaking and we're not speaking the truth of God's word, it's not going to bring life. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to be doers of the word. We need to be people that, that speak life to situations and be aware of what we're speaking. I become very aware. God has made me very aware of the fact that I need to listen to what I, I share, what I speak, because sometimes I'm not speaking life. And I've asked him to help me. You know, the Bible says, set a guard on my mouth. And, and I was praying that God set a guard on my mouth. And, and I'm expecting something to happen. And he said, I already have. My spirit lives in you. He will convict you when you're not speaking truth. But I was very aware I have to listen for the spirit of God. I have to have that tender heart to be convicted to make the adjustment or I'll just keep going in the direction I was going. And so it's been, it's been great, but it's not been easy or fun. But it is, it is the best that, that, that God has for us. Now, um, we, we read this, and then we dropped down to the next verse, verse 19 to 20. And I don't, I'm not going to ask you for a response, but um, if you read the word for you today, I was, I was, I was blown away. Now, I don't, I don't read ahead in the word. I, I hadn't done that. And it's just so amazing to me that God is, is just, for me, this, this was probably for nobody else but me, but God was just affirming that, that I'm, I'm speaking what he wants. Because verse 19 was the exact verse that's in the word for you today. Now, we give the word for you today to uh, any family that's here. We give one, one uh, of the uh, daily devotions to every household. Uh, we do that because we want to invest in you. We want to give you materials and, and the opportunity to build yourself up daily. Now, if you don't take it, that's up to you. Uh, but, you know, at least we're trying. And so this is what it says. It says, understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man, woman, and child be quick to hear a ready listener, slow to speak, and slow to take offense and to get angry, for man's anger does not promote the righteousness of, that God wishes and requires. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to invite God to speak to you because we need to be requesting God's assistance. He's longing to assist us. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we acknowledge that with you all things are possible and that you do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to your power that's at work in us, the power of your word and your spirit. Today, Father, speak to us. Help us become aware of what is true, things we're not aware of, and even things we may be deceived in and think we're walking in truth, but we're not. Father, we need your help, not just today, but every day, everywhere, all the time. And Father, the great thing is you're so willing and desiring to help us. So, Father, right now, you said we have not because we ask not. We ask that you would speak to us concerning your word, your will, your ways, and our situations and circumstances so we can walk in the power, walk in the provision, walk in the plan, and walk in your presence that you have for us to be overcomers in all these things. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,
So we, we looked at this at first and we, we saw that we need to be quick to hear, ready listeners. You know, if we, we sometimes we, we listen with our rebuttal, our response in mind. We listen to get just enough to be able to start to formulate what we're going to say. And, and that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about hearing, listening to hear so that we can understand. You know, the only way we're going to understand each other is to listen to each other. When, when, when you get understanding, it's usually because you're hearing from outside yourself. It may be God speaking inside you to you. It may be God speaking through somebody else or even just somebody that has more knowledge than you do. But it says, let every man be quick to hear. That's not usually what happens. We don't want to listen. We want to talk. Okay, maybe not you. There are other human beings to do. But, but that's, that's where it's, it's so important that we, we hear these things. We hear people speaking. We hear from God. We hear. That's why, you know, last week I shared with you the sign that talked about having two ears and one mouth. And the ears are always open. But the mouth is hedged in by two rows of teeth to keep it in proper order. It's, it's true. It's so true. But slow to speak. Slow to anger. Now, it says because the... Man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. Now, if you don't want to have to go into a big theological dissertation of what righteousness is, just take the first five letters of that word. What's it say? Come on, help me out. It says right. If, if we read this, we find out man's anger does not promote what's right. Ever. Anger does not promote, man's anger does not promote what's right. So we need to understand that we turn that anger over to God. The Bible says be angry but sin not. Don't take action on your anger. Because any action taken directed by anger is not going to promote what's right. Whatever we do needs to be done in love and for the glory of God. So... Are we seeing any anger in our society? Man, I've never, I've never seen in all my life. Now, I've been around for a couple of years. Yeah, they were hard years. That's why I look the way I do. <laughs> no, I, you know, in the 65 years that I have been in this world, I have never seen people so angry, so quick to burst into an offense or, or into uh, being aggressive or, or it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed by it, I'm appalled by it, I am surprised by it, but I shouldn't be because it's, the Bible is, says that these days that's going to happen. People are going to hate one another, they're going to betray one another. Again, in the same portion of Matthew chapter 24, these are all characteristics, but the one that begins the portion where Jesus is telling them about the last days, it starts with deception and it says it will end with deception. Many will be deceived. And it's happening. It's happening as we speak, as we live, and as we breathe in these days. And we don't want to be a part of that because where there's deception, there's loss. We want to be people that are fully devoted to God because where there's devotion, there's gain. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, need, I need to see the gain of God in my life. But 
It says, be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and get angry. And today we're going to look at slow to speak. It's important that we realize what words do. You know, we've heard things from the world. They have little cute sayings that aren't true. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will what? Who was the fool that said that? Now, I'm not trying to be ugly, but that's somebody that I would like to know what their life was like because maybe nobody ever said anything nasty about them, but every time somebody has said something nasty about me, it's hurt. And it's hurt a lot more than the broken bones I've had. It lasts a lot longer, and it's more difficult to get through. But words are important. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, tells us how important words are. 18 verse 21 says this, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who, will, who talk, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, we're talking about the tongue, we're talking about slow to speak, and, and in those days that the Bible was written, the forms, the abilities to communicate, the forms of communication were pretty limited. They would speak some people knew how to write and some people knew how to read, but that wasn't common. Now today, what are our forms of communication? Where this says tongue, we'll just put communication. All right, what are our forms of communication? Talking, right? Texting, phone calling, emailing, writing, all the social media, tweeting, Posting, direct message, instant message, blogging, all sorts of things. Now, with that in mind, all right, we're, we're, we're putting in mind and kind of recognizing in our society this is all incorporated in our communication where this says the tongue can bring death or life. Can emails bring death or life? Can texting bring death or life? Can, can our posts on Facebook or any other social media, bring death or life. Okay. So this is pretty accurate comparing what's going on. And, and it says, you know, those who love to talk or those who love to communicate or those who love to post or those who love to text will reap the consequences. Now, how many of you know that there's a, a bias in this word consequences? It seems to be negative. But how about we put results? We'll reap the results. Okay, can you reap good results from texts, from posts, from instant messages? Man, it's amazing how encouraging it is when you get a text or a post or, or, or something that just says, you know, I'm so grateful for you. And you're just like, ah, oh, man, I needed that. But just as true as the opposite, if somebody posts something and, and just decides to rip on you, it's devastating. And I'm not on a lot of social media platforms, okay? I, I'm fairly limited. I, I email, I text, and at times I tweet. But I am determined that what I use that for 
will be for what God has said we're supposed to use it for, which is we're to encourage one another as we see the day of the return of Jesus coming, and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing all the things that we're seeing written out in Scripture happening in the world we live in, and so we're supposed to be encouraging. Jeremy this morning talked about encouraging, being encouraged. We all need encouragement, and we're all supposed to be encouraging, but I can say this with great confidence. Not everybody is encouraging people. And I'll say this, not every Christian is encouraging people. And if we're not encouraging people, what are we doing? We're discouraging people. And who does that align with? The enemy. But we think we have a right. We think we ought to just let everybody know what we think. You know, couple of guys were talking and one guy said, I, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. The other guy said, you can't afford to. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're giving out this information and it's not doing anybody any good. And we think it's doing us good because we get it off our chest. But you know what? It's like vomit. If you and I don't take care of what originated that, we'll get relief for a moment. But it's going to come back and we're going to have to vomit again. And there's a lot of vomit going on that should never be a part of us communicating as Christians with other, other people. Christian or non-Christian. Never. If we vomit, do you know who we vomit towards? You can. You vomit towards God. God can handle it. God knows what's going on already inside us. It doesn't matter. He, we need to get it out to him and then be willing once we get it out. Because if you look at the Psalms, a majority of the Psalms are people vomiting. David vomits. My enemies surround me. They gnash on me with their teeth. Oh, God, why have you... That's vomit. But you know what? David was smart enough. Once he got relief... He didn't go back to doing just what he did. He'd listen for God. And God would help not just bring relief, but solution. Because right now, we're just relieving ourselves over and over and over again in so many different ways. And if somebody relieves themselves on you, if, if they attack you, if they, they cut you, what is the natural response that we want to have to them? To, to do the same thing back. And that begins the war of escalation. Okay, you got me here, I'll get you here. Oh, you got me here, I'll get you here, and I'll get you here. And there's no end to it, and that's what we're seeing in our society. Nobody's listening to anybody else, everybody's vomiting on everybody else, and nobody is really doing I say nobody. Please forgive me. That was a generalization. That's not true. Many people are doing this. It's real easy to get caught up in it. And we have to really be aware. What am I doing? Am I devoted to God? Or am I showing devotion to someone or something else that's here to steal, kill, and destroy? I know I don't want to do, I don't want to be aligned with the enemy. I don't want to be used by the enemy to do damage to other people. But yet I, I can and I do at times because 
I don't give it a thought. I don't rely on the word. I don't compare the word of God to what I'm about to do. I just speak. And I've done that. And that's why I've said, God, please help me to not just speak. Help me be directed by you. So we see death and life are in the power of the tongue or the ways we communicate. James chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Uh, this again, when we speak, see about the tongue, we can look at any form of communication. No human being can tame the tongue. Now, that's true. No one can tame the tongue. But you saying this morning, all things are possible to who? God. God can help you tame your tongue. Listen, when the Spirit of God resides in us and we let the Holy Spirit have his way, one of the fruit, one of the things that Holy Spirit produces in our lives because we've turned our lives over to him is self-control, Galatians chapter 5. And some of us sitting here are saying, oh, that's not, I don't have that. Yeah, you do. It's just like the muscles in your body. You came into this world as a child with every muscle you are ever going to have. And to this point, you've developed them by using it. You have self-control when you're born into the kingdom of God. But it's only as developed as what you and I have used it for. And some of us have just continued to throw caution to the wind and say, well, I just can't do that. Well, you know what? You're just deceived. And where there's deception, there's... Because the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not you can do all things, blank. It's through Christ who strengthens you. When you recognize, and I recognize, my weakness, my frailty, my flaws and my failures, and I don't try and hide them because I don't want anybody to know because we all know we've got them. But I am open, not with everybody, I'm open with God. And I say, God, you know what? I'm struggling in this. I, I keep falling down. And, and I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need your grace. And you know what? God's just waiting. God has always been waiting for an invitation to be involved. Because he'll never push his will or his way on us. And so when we don't look to God, there's a pride that's working in us. And, and pride, the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And we're watching our lives. We're watching other people's lives being destroyed because we're prideful. And because we're not relying on God. We're not devoted to God. We're deceived into thinking there's another way. It goes on to say the tongue... With the tongue, okay, no human being can tame the tongue, but God can. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We know that's true. We've, we've, we've experienced that. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. We all know that's true. But that's where we have to have Jesus' lordship over this because death and life are in this death and life are in our texts and in our tweets and in our posts and in our blogs and in our emails we have to recognize that it's so important then in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 and 16 it says this we will no longer be immature like children we won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. 
We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. This, this could be written for today. We're not going to have this happen. But what should be happening? Instead, all right, get, get ready to focus on what God has. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. You know, sometimes we think if we just speak the truth. The Bible says the word of God, which is the truth, is like a two-edged sword. And I don't know about you, but I know that I have experienced it and I have done this. I have used the truth and cut some people deeply. And people have used the truth and cut me deeply. Not in trying to help me, because that's what love does. Love always looks to better another person. And when we share the truth in love, then we're encouraging people to make adjustments so that they can experience the abundant life that God has for them. But if we share the truth from a position of superiority or super spirituality, man, we just cut people to pieces. So we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body will be healthy, growing, and full of love. How does that happen? We speak the truth in love. We don't just speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. We're looking to help people become better. We're encouraging them. We're exhorting them. But it's always in love. We have to have a motivation. We have to check us before we speak, before a word comes out of our mouth. What's the reason behind what I'm about to speak? Am I trying to impress somebody? Am I trying to defend myself? Am I trying to, uh, to correct somebody else? Listen, it's not your job to correct anybody. You and I are here to love them. God will correct them. And God may use you to share truth, but you've got to have a relationship with them so that they know what you're about to share that may be painful. It may be difficult to, for them to believe it's true because they're self-deceived. You've got enough relationship built in with them that you can drive that bus of truth over it and it won't cave in. It won't break the relationship. But that requires us loving people, building relationships. You know, we don't have a right to speak into anybody else's life unless they give it to us. Really, they don't need to listen to us. We've always known that in this church. We, we, we have worked years and years and years to impact our community, to bless our community, various aspects and areas and peoples, and, and it's allowed us a voice. Now, you may not know that, but I know that. I know where I go and people hear that I'm from this church, they are willing many times to listen. I have invitations to be involved in different groups because we have gained the right to be heard. We grow. The body develops. The body is healthy. The body is full of love because we speak the truth in love. The truth, God's word, brings life. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, 
it says this, you'll see this in both translations of the message in uh, the New Living. It says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everybody. Are we speaking because we want to help somebody? Are we speaking because we want to show somebody? It says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down, not cut them out. And I'm going to add one more, not cut them up. I tell you this, honest, as I, I prepared this, I, I had a lot of looking at my life to do and repenting. God, I'm sorry. I realized that I, I wasn't, I want, that conversation, I wasn't looking to help somebody. I was looking to set them straight. And that's true, I believe, of all of us. And I have, I have desired and I've requested, God, help me before I ever speak. Help me to be aware of why I'm speaking. What, what am I doing this for? And let it be love. Let it be you, God. Now, I, I'm wanting to do it right all the time, knowing that I may not, but if I don't, I can, I can always go to God and ask him to forgive me. I can repent. It's not just saying, God, forgive me. It's recognizing what I did wrong, making a turn from what I did to do what God has for me to do, and then realizing that he has now forgiven and cleansed me of all. Amen? Okay. Going on in Matthew chapter 12, we, we see Matthew writing this by the Spirit of God, and he says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. See, we got to look deeper than just our words. Why? What's in here? What's activating? What's directing? What's driving us or deceiving us into saying the things we're saying, speaking the things we're speaking? Because if we just listen to people you listen to them long enough, you know where their heart is. The Bible says where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. People will talk about it. Just like I was, I was talking to Jackson this morning. And, and you talk for any time to Jackson, and he's going to get on the subject of baseball. And that's awesome. You know, he's excited about it. He's good at it. He's got a future in it. But, you know, that's where we've got to recognize. Even we listen to ourselves, and sometimes we're going to see. We say one thing, but it's not exactly true what we're devoted to. It goes on to say in verse 35. It says, a good person produces good deeds and good works, season, good words, season after season. An even, evil person is a blight on the orchard. So when we speak, it comes out of our heart. If, if there's good in there, good's going to come out. You know, it's like a sponge. Whatever's in you, once you get squeezed, it's coming out. We can hide it for a lot of times, but when the pressure's on, it squirts out. And that's where we've got to, we've got to, in those moments, we can't deny that. And we have to look and say, okay, Lord, help me. Help me with this. But it says, a good person produces good deeds and good words, season after season. He only knows somebody season after season. You don't know somebody in one season or in a short time. It's impossible to do that because you haven't seen them through the gamut of what they would experience and how they would react. It says an evil, evil person is a blight on the orchard. What is, what is a blight? Is it good or bad? Bad. But this doesn't say it is a blight on that person. It's a blight on the orchard. 
See, when, when my words are not what God has for them to be, it's not just affecting me. It's affecting you. It's affecting my family. It's wherever I go, I bring this blight. And if there are enough of us in the orchard, the blight is going to move quickly and disastrously. And so I can't, I can't, I'm not here to set you straight. I'm here to share truth and, and believe that you're going to hear the word of God and do the word of God, just like I need to hear the word of God and do the word of God. But I can only do my part. You have to do your part. We all have to do our part because without it, the enemies get in place. And finally, in verse 36, and I struggled with this. I did not want to share this, but I knew I had to because it's truth. It says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. I don't know about you, every time I read that, every time I'm reminded of that, it's very sobering to me. Now, this is not to cause you to despair, to give up, to say, I can't do this. This is to cause us to recognize we still have time. The game's not over. We still have time to adjust and grow in what God has for us to grow in. And so we're going to give an answer for every idle word we speak. Now that word idle is, is a word that means barrenness, useless, inactive, unprofitable, doesn't build. We're supposed to be building each other up. And sometimes before you build, you have to dig down and, and get some things out to lay a foundation. There are those uncomfortable times where we, we speak words that are not, they're, they're uncomfortable, they're painful. But it's to get something out because we want to help somebody build strong. But it shouldn't be all of that. You know, I'm just, I'm going around and I, I have the discerning of spirits and, and you're a wreck and you're the, the, if you have the gift of discerning the spirits and you don't see more good in God than you do of evil, you don't have the gift. Okay? It's, it's, it's so important. We're, we're, is God a builder or a breaker? Yeah, he, he's a builder. Now, I do understand that we become broken, okay, in a way where, like a horse is broken. He's not damaged. He's finally made useful because he's submitted. God wants our lives to be useful, beneficial. I shared with you earlier that I have been praying and asking God to help put a guard on my mouth. Psalm 141, verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And like I've told you, we all need this, but it's not that God's going to grab my mouth and shut it. God will still allow me the liberty to say anything I want to say anytime I want to say it. But he's given me one who helps me guard my heart, my mouth, my tongue, and that's the Spirit of God. But I have to choose to be more willing to hear and respond to Holy Spirit than what I think or what I feel or what I want. 
because God in these days are looking for people that will be his, will be devoted and continue to experience the gain that devotion brings. And as we're devoted to God, we're going to see the deception in our lives decrease so we're not losing as we used to lose. God doesn't want you to lose. God wants you to gain. God wants you to experience abundant life. So the overflow of life, the overflow of blessings in your life would be able to overflow and flood in the people around you. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. It's been, this has been a, an intense word today, but it should be encouraging because we recognize what needs to be adjusted. And recognize this, you're not looking to adjust it on your own. God is in partnership with you and you and I should be in partnership with him where we can ask him for help. The Bible says in our weakness, his strength is made full. But we have to acknowledge that, you know, we're, we're not perfect. We're not strong. We're, we're, but God is perfect and God is strong and God can work in us and through us the way he has intended to for us to experience abundant life and for those around us to experience abundant life as it floods from us. But it comes from God. It originates in God. And, and if you're here today or if online you're here and, and you've heard this message and you realize, man, there's something not in alignment. It may be the fact that we haven't done the first thing. The first thing is to recognize that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God like, like the word of God says. But also that there is a solution or provision. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's in this moment that we recognize that we need to turn around and turn our lives over to God who has given everything, everything dear to him for us. And if that's you, today I'd like you to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it together here, pray along at home. Uh, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you, to forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, be Lord of my life from this day forward. You are in heaven, but you're also in me by your spirit. Thank you for the victory that you won and give to me today. Lord Jesus, I am more than a conqueror through you who love me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and giving me a brand new life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer here for the first time or you read, turned your life back over to God, please let somebody know before you leave. If you prayed online, uh, let us know so that we can be rejoicing with you, we can be praying for you, and if we can be a help to you, uh, just go to the website, reslifeny.org, and scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know in there. If you want to give us your name, that's great. A phone number, we'll give you a call. But uh, God has a great future for you. It's whether we're going to choose to walk with him and experience it or not. Amen? Would you stand? You know what this week is, right? Everybody know? It's the greatest week you have the privilege to live with God 
Amen? He's got a week ahead of you that is not without obstacles or opposition. We're going to have them. As long as we're in this world, we're going to have them. But we're going to be able to see God as we walk with him and allow him to have his way. We're going to see God work in ways we can't and do things that we couldn't even begin to imagine because he's so good. And he's going to be with us. He's going to sustain us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to give us a security in a very unstable world. That's because he loves us. And he loves other people. He wants them to see in you what he can do. Amen. Father, I just thank you right now for all your children here, all those that are listening online. Father, I thank you for your presence, your plan, which is for good with a future. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your power. I thank you for the person of Holy Spirit that is living in us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that quickens our bodies, makes us alive and fully functional to fulfill your will in the earth in this hour. And Father, that your glory is going to be seen in the earth, just like the waters cover the sea, which is Christ in us. So Father, I thank you for going ahead of us and preparing the way. I thank you for being our rear guard and upholding us with your right hand of blessing of righteousness. And covering us with your songs, songs of victory, songs of life and peace and joy and wisdom. Father, your songs of love. That, Father, as we walk out this week, we don't walk alone. We walk with the creator of everything good. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Have a great week.